You're tuning in to Past Hour Prime, a show powered by Squad Locker. Let's be great. Let's be great. Here are your hosts, retired Astros minor league star Tip Fairchild and former Patriots All-Pro center Dan Copen. Go rock this thing, huh? Love you, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the program. Episode number 60 for us right now. Tip's looking at me. He's got a... His brain is firing on all <laughs> cylinders My right brain now. Is so electric right now. As We're, always, we are powered by Squad Locker. Squad Locker, excuse mm-hmm. me. I'm going to talk to Melanie. We have Melanie Newman coming over mm-hmm. on maybe getting some. She's uh, the first female uh, Orioles play-by-play announcer. Uh, I believe she's the fourth fourth one now currently. She, she also she's not the first the, of, the, of of Major League Baseball, but there's four. She also did the all female. Broadcast with Jessica Mendoza. Correct. Who was that? Was her Mendoza? Wor- Mendoza worked for. Oh, up here. Were you? Was that? Yes. NBC Boston. Was it that one of your? Was, uh, what do you no, call it? No, your uh, was coworkers? It Com- Com- Comcast Sports. Comcast Sports. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when did uh, you do that? Anyway, we need to pull some clips from that Max of of Dan and the Comcast. Not days. bad. I did it for three years after I retired. Did you do it maybe. That long? Yeah. Yeah, three years. It, 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 it was good. No wonder you're so comfortable on the mic. Yeah, no. I, the mic's fine. It, again, it's the video that I have the problem with. <laughs> I don't like the YouTube channel. Um, so head to squadlocker.com. Check out what we going on there and how we can help you in your youth sports organization, your high school, or your corporate. We are going into the business field. Oh, yes, we are. Uh, board meeting coming up, so that's usually when you guys catch me in. Full. By the way, I look skinny right now. I feel like I'm looking at the TV. Not too bad. All right. Maybe it's, maybe it's a light blue jean jacket. It could be, going it could on be there. that. Um, but board meeting coming up. So four times a year, you guys get me at my like peak uh, brain power. So uh, that's what's going on right now. I just got out of one where uh, charts and graphs and Salesforce were flying, and my brain is spinning. But um, also Wordle. Yeah, we're yeah. in the Wordle Wordle game, McKellar put together a spreadsheet that's amazing yeah <laughs> so. a little bit over the top i think for what we're trying to do but i laughed I mean, so hard when he said that and Just we have didn't we, see that coming we, we do I, we have posts out on that of we what do. it looks like we do. uh we're six or seven holes days into it you're you're a, i'm getting a commanding uh, lead you're right certainly now. a linguist is what we're learning i don't know if it's a linguist i don't know i think it's just you know, deciphering where the spots are and what words or, le- or what letters can come after it mm-hmm. and just narrowing it down that way. Yep. I'm on a streak right now because two days ago, got it in two tries, which was happy about that. Eagle. Eagle. Yeah, was that it? was big. Was it? Eagle? Yeah. And then uh-huh. today, I'm not going to, well, it doesn't really matter, cause it, but Aroma was today. Tough word. Yeah. And yeah. McKellar. The double letter words McKellar, are tough. McKellar hasn't gotten it yet, but it I doesn't know. really matter because he won't hear this till Thursday. So That's right. You know. Yeah. So he's a good uh, third for this. We're uh, chasing down uh, chasing down a dream. We're going to see how low we get. You're, you have a six-stroke lead right now. Yeah. Six-point lead. Hey, we're, Maybe seven. We're not going to get complacent. We're just going to keep pushing. Keep going. Okay. Uh, Super Bowl this yeah. week, right? What do, you, what do you got? Was. Yes, correct. Um, it was this week. Um, I I think one thing is going to come out in the next couple of days. I think that Joe Burrow probably has an ACL injury or an MCL injury from okay. that tackle that he took. Yeah. And it kind of threw him off a little bit in the last uh, 
quarter maybe a little. Uh, the game had some, like right at right at halftime. After halftime, we'll who do you think that after? Right, let's just, let's, let's, who do you think should have won? Uh, I think the Rams should have won. Really? Yep, I do. Okay, because that was a blatant offensive pass interference on that for, on that touchdown coming out of the second uh, coming out of the halftime. For the Bengals, right? All right, yeah. Now, here's what I think. I think that game was shaping up to be amazing in the third quarter, and it just kind of like puttered out. Wasn't wasn't great. I thought it was a good game. Good game for a while, but I thought it was going to be one of these performances that was going to be up and down, back and forth in the second half, and it was going to be whoever has the ball last, right? And then I definitely thought the Bengals were going to kick a field goal to tie that and go to overtime. Mm Mm-hmm. That was like a no-brainer. I was already counting the money in my bet that I made where I knew what the final score was going to be, and it was going to shape up perfectly for me. <laughs> and then they just, I mean, the pass rush got them. You said that. Well, you said I mean, that the pass rush was going to be a problem. All right, so that was the key to my key key factor for the Bengals to win, right? And yep. I think in the first half, for the most part, they held them at bay. Yep. And I think in the second half is where you really saw the Rams sort of figure it out and who they wanted to pick on. Um, you know, you can, you can, and that's when those sacks started to come. And so when they move Aaron Donald over to the left side, they're going to slide that line over there. And then you're sitting there with two on two with Von Miller and the other mm-hmm. defensive tackle. I'm not, I'm not, you know, really sure who that is, but you yeah. know, when you get two on two and you get Von, and that's when that pressure started coming in there. And that was an effect in the second half. And that's when those offenses started sputtering. And you picked no ground game whatsoever from either team. No, and I thought it was bad play calling, too. They were still trying to run the ball, and like there was no, no here's, way. Here's the thing. So you bring up the pass interference, right? Yeah. In the playoffs. That was such in a the, pass interference. In the playoffs, though. historically. The third quarter one I'm talking about, the no, face No, no, mask. I know which one you're talking about. That was crazy. And we'll get to, we'll get to that. Yeah. I, I get it. But okay. for historically speaking, when you get into the playoffs, and especially into the Super Bowl, the refs sort of let them play a little bit more, and they let them play. They, they didn't, let them. They didn't. They call, let them kill each other. They didn't call shit. Nothing. All game, which I'm fine with. Love you it. Know it's like no, that. no problems with that. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're not going to call the the what was it Higgins or Boyd who caught it Boyd or Higgins on Ram, Ramsey with face mask throwing him a little bit I mean he didn't throw him but he definitely got his face mask he yeah you know propelled him forward where he was able to come back yeah, and, and he make just, the catch and he and, turned around Ramsey's head when he was yes actually in position to probably pick it that's a pi yeah offensive pass interference opi and then hashtag opi the I've last seen it everywhere the last the last um the last series where the Rams are going in, they're like third and seven, third or third and nine, goal to go mm-hmm. to win the game. Mm-hmm. And it was Rieger or Wilson, whatever linebacker was covering, uh, was probably Cup. That was poor call. That was not pass interference. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to call the first one, you can't call that one. And even in that spot where it's coming down to the last minute of the game, yep. and this is probably going to determine the Super Bowl. It has to be absolutely fucking blatant. Yeah, I agree. Like the other two, pass that. I mean, there was a yeah. there was an offensive holding call, I think, and then a pi as well. Which, that was a which definite. They were calls. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, they're third and one now, sitting in a situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to make that call. But that third and seven or third and nine, whatever it was on Cup, how we got the pass interference was the call that. Probably st- change things. I still think that there was obviously plenty of time on the clock. 
with timeouts for Joe Burrow, and I don't think he was all there totally. Possible, but that pass, I mean, but the pass first was they good. Had a they don't have it. Right. first pass right when they were already in decent shape. You got a kicker that can hit it from sixty. Here's where they messed up. They you know they get the first down. Second down. They, they, second down. They just. Bomb one. The they, throw, they throw a fade to nobody in the corner. Obviously, a miscommunication. It yeah. happens. I get it. But you don't run that play, mm-hmm. and Burrow shouldn't throw that ball regardless if it's called. Yeah. Get the first down, keep the chains moving, get him tired because you have plenty of time to get in field goal range. Tons of time. And second and one, you blow a play, you throw it down the field. Third down, you come back and you run it right up the middle. Great. That's fine. Do that on second down. Mm hmm. But you also don't even have Mixon in the game at that point. And why don't you, right why don't you have your number one running back? Then they run it right at Aaron Donald, too? Well, he's going to be in the middle anyway, so yeah. you go right up the middle. So, I mean, he, he was in him. shotgun, too. Yeah, he stuffs him. And then right after that, then you got Burrow having it's to scramble. Bad, it, was, yeah. it was bad play calling, bad decisions in some of those critical moments for the Bengals. They actually got a shitty pass interference on them, which shouldn't have been. And I think the Bengals win. Yeah. Okay. I think the Bengals win that game if those don't I happen. I was hoping for field goal to tie it, Bengals to score a, a touchdown for the six. Right. Because you don't have to kick the f- extra point. Yep. Big cash money would have come my way. But, well, you know, that was a dream. Dream that didn't uh, dream that didn't come up. But, but if you, know, you took the ginger, game. some of the ginger locks, you, you, Ooh, made, you baby, made some the money. The ginger locks were hot in the first half. Holy shit. We were on fire. Yep. On if, fire. If you listen, so we're going to have McKellar the back over, on a Boy, his analysis on the um, uh, national anthem couldn't have been more spot on. Spot on. She wanted to cut it loose in the second half of that thing. He said that specifically about stretching out some of those last yeah. things. <laughs> He's a vo- she's a vocalist. Yeah, and that pushed it, right? Yeah. Um, the head, the heads or tails, I mean, let's, we'll just go with that. We, we both call heads anyway. Um, what about the halftime show? Got the anytime touchdown too, didn't anytime he? touchdown. He nailed that. He was all over oh, the um, OBJ. 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 Yeah, good got thing too. He got it early, and then and, and then the OBJ one, was going off too. Yeah. The one um, didn't get the Burrow rushing touchdown. Didn't get the Burrow, but uh, again, it was just a little sprinkle because the odds sprinkle. were so good. In in his words, yeah, I, sprinkle know, that twenty five bucks. I'll take hey, that. Take it all day. Um, what about the halftime show? I thought it was good. I, I like that's in right in my element. Yeah. I, I thought it was Sorry. good. It's Kanye West, or not Kanye, uh, Kanye Dr. West, Dr. Dre and uh, Snoop Dogg. Yep. Awesome. Great. And, you know, how they started it, awesome. Eminem coming in there, it was awesome. Um, I uh, did not get the Kendrick Lamar thing at all. Well, yeah. it's because is that, he, is that, he, Dre, I, just I think, think found it. him like he found Eminem, and was he's produced by Dre. Sorry, I just didn't understand. I don't know. I, 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 I just didn't. I didn't, I didn't understand get it, it. I didn't I, like an honorable. I couldn't understand kind of it. No, but he's a Dre. Like he he's produced by Dre. Like Look, Eminem was. I'm not and like saying, Fifty Cent. I think if like I don't I don't know any of his songs off the top of my head, right? But if I heard a song by his him, or you told me it was Kendrick Lamar, I'd be like, oh, I've heard that one. I like it. I, I didn't loyalties. understand. Got loyalties inside my DNA. I know I, that song. I don't know that one either. You know that one. No. <laughs> But he didn't but, sing like a song that anyone. I didn't know. I, I, could, I didn't know. Whatever you was saying, I didn't understand a word he was saying either. And then there was all these guys around him going in different directions. It was just it was, it was like was I was going to have a stroke or something. But I like would that. tell you, I was ten years old when the Chronic came out, so the initial one, right? And then I mean that was an amazing, amazing album. And then I was ninety nine, 
I think Chronic 2000 came out. So I was what? Holy shit, he's going back down. 16, 17. I mean, that was in my CD player, in my Jeep Wrangler that I had two subwoofers in with an amp. No, you were so cool in me. (laughs) (laughs) That was in my CD player for probably like three years. I think I was past that. I think I was past that at that point. You were? I, you, you were know, in college. How did you not listen to the Chronic? In college, I was probably listening to Country or Mellencamp or Bruce Springsteen. You're old. You're not though. But you're not that old. I like the classic rock. To- I like the classic. Like I don't. I, I'm. I'm okay. You know, there's some like hip hop rap songs that I like, like yeah. uh, uh, Tupac. Some of the Tupac stuff I like. Wow, you're like a West Coast rap guy. I think now Biggie too. What Biggie's East Coast? Yeah, I love Biggie. Biggie. I've got no preferences. If it's a good song or a good beat, I'm going to listen to it. We're going. I don't really know the albums. We're going. Well, let's. We haven't given this team much credit. Mary J. Blige can sing, by the way. Yeah, she can sing. Was she lip syncing? Most of them are. I don't think they no, were, though. You know what? I heard no. the band. Oh, I heard yeah, a couple no. little. Uh, the no? first song that she did felt like she was lip syncing. The second one where she was just up by herself. Yeah, I heard her. I, I heard, don't I don't think she was lip syncing that one. So kay. maybe we can get someone behind the scenes to figure out if, like, we'll hey, ask, can they go uh, back and forth? Yeah. We'll ask somebody. Who are we going to ask? Olivia King. We'll ask she Olivia King. She would know. We'll ask her. We'll hit her on Instagram. I want to say the first one she did lip syncing. The second one she was on her own. Okay. Commercials? Um, Best commercial? I, I'm telling you, I didn't even really watch them. It was so weird. I just didn't – I was always eating during the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I was eating the whole game. Um, I did uh, – what did I like? I mean, I liked the Cable Guy one. There was a lot of nostalgia behind all that stuff. You know, the Jim Carrey Cable Guy one. Cable Guy was one good. was good. I was happy to see the Clydesdale from Budweiser yep. back in yep. the mix. Yep. The My favorite one, though, was the uh, the NFL one. With the miniature characters, like mm. the, you know, the... Oh, the uh, video an- game? Yeah, like the animated yep. video guys, but they came out of the TV and they were like... That know, was a good th- one. Two I feet loved tall. the cable guy one. Yeah, it was funny. Favorite. What else you got up? Oh, the uh, sup- Superior, the Michelob Ultra Superior Bowl with Peyton Manning. See, I don't know if I saw Brooks that Kepka. one. That one I was... I saw it, and oh, I love Kepka. Brooks Kepka. Kepka was in two of them. I did see a The Kepka first one. one with Manning when he's bowling and looking over. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah, I saw that one. And then... Serena Williams walks yep. in and yep. yeah. the outfits they're wearing and stuff is funny. Kepka. Kepka's making me laugh. He played well at the uh waste management. That was hilarious. Harry Higgs taking his shirt off. Joel Damon spinning his shirt. Two hole in ones. The place was going absolutely nuts. The only place that's gonna go more nuts than that is the Dunkin' Donuts Center tonight for Providence College and Villanova. An eight versus ten matchup tonight. We're not giving PC enough love on this podcast, Max. The best one of the best basketball teams in the country, and the fans are unbelievable there. Place goes nuts. Like lots of people are saying, it's the toughest place that you can play. Wow! Right now, I, have, I haven't been to a game this year. We're gonna go tonight. I'm going tonight. I'm excited. And we're gonna have a good. It's time. gonna be way past my bedtime though. It's gonna be late. We're gonna need like a Red Bull and Red Bull and vodka or something. <laughs> like go, stay awake. Go go away, go go back old school. Yeah. All right, so okay. we got uh, Melly Newman. Newman coming up, and uh, let's go talk to her. Got it. All right, we're joined right now by Melanie Newman, and Melanie is the first female play-by-play broadcaster in Orioles history, the fourth current one in the MLB. Correct? It's like a, like uh, I'm interrogating. I think the math yeah, checks out. Like there, I'm yeah. like I'm interrogating her right off the start. Yeah, we which know. Is bad, and, so. and wow, well, that's a lot of research for Dan to find that out too. Ooh. By the way, that's like he's his brain is well, steaming right now. 
we were talking earlier and then did yeah we you're narcissistic i shouldn't say that anymore. no that's not, mean that's we, mean like she she's the professional and we try and do the best we can even though sometimes we don't do a very good job with oh, speaking is- or interviewing and obviously she does this for a living so we need her help we absolutely do because this is we did not go to school for this we just got these cool mics that we sound decent on and we neither of us enunciate we uh we don't ask the right questions so so we're gonna we're gonna take some tips from you because you're a professional being on camera behind the mic right I mean, allegedly, I, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, how far you want to put me out there. You've got better mics. I've got my little AirPods in right now. So I think you've technologically already eclipsed me there. That's all to Max. Max, to Max's credit. He said Max set nice. this in, first interview he set up, by the way. Yeah, Max is the interview set up, setter upper now. You're an, doing what an actual producer <laughs> does, Max. Setter upper, right? <laughs> That's going to be my new title, right? <laughs> yeah, interview setter upper. We like that. Yeah. Uh, so how did you get? Where did it start, right? What do you do you do you have a sports background? Do you play sports and and how did you get to here? Not the whole thing. We're going to we'll dive into it a little bit, but how did it start? Yeah, um I'm not athletic first of all. So so I can maybe do some of this media stuff that you guys are are wanting help in, but mm-hmm. I can't even think about doing anything you guys have done that all went to my sister. Um I never played softball. Everybody thinks I played softball. I, I I didn't pick up a bat until three years ago for the first time. Um, But I I grew up in Atlanta and it was such a big SEC country. I mean, we were at Auburn every single weekend. Um, Mom's from New England. So we were this really weird split house of a Patriots and Cowboys family. Um, So it was was football 24-7. And, you know, we never got into it as kids. I think we were a little young for that. We went to the Olympics a lot. But Um, I started getting into baseball just naturally. I was around it all the time with the East Cobb complex and, uh, they were all for that. You know, they, they wanted to support the fact that I wanted to ask all the questions. I wanted to understand how the game worked. I got older Mm -hmm. and, uh, I found out that the 94 strike was why my dad had kind of taken a step back from loving baseball as much. Um, but he, he came around to Mm -hmm. it eventually And I started out writing, got into college, kind of got away from everybody. You get that chance to reinvent yourself. And they really pushed me to try broadcasting. Uh, So I trusted them. I went with it. And I found myself in the the lovely minor leagues for Mm. several years before I ended up with Baltimore. Which is where you live. Yeah. We'll cover that more. (laughs) But I did hear you say something. You said the house was split between the Cowboys and the Patriots. Where did you fall? I always kind of leaned more with the Patriots. Um, Most of my mom's family, they're, they're pretty loud and outspoken about it. Um, And my, my dad was, was kind of quieter, you know, Mm -hmm. the rest of his family, their allegiances in the NFL were all over the place because they, they were in the army. Um, So he didn't, he didn't get as much support on that end of things. And actually when it was the, the Pats Falcons Super Bowl, he, he decided he was going to be for Atlanta. So my sister took his side and, uh, it was a very different household between the first and second half. So you got to experience what I got to experience with, uh, you know, we together got all these Super Bowls done, right? And then participants like Dan, you know, helped us get those. So you're in the sixth Super Bowl <laughs> club. That's good, right? I think, I'm, yeah. So with with baseball, football, and you mentioned how you got there and you were down around East Cobb. You mentioned East Cobb also. Um, that's a baseball factory, as baseball people oh, will yeah. know. And then you move to the minor leagues, right? Same for me. 
right? I play college baseball. I get drafted. I go to the minor leagues. And you're thinking, hey, this is amazing. I'm wearing the star. I was I played for Astros. I'm wearing the star. This is awesome. And then I remember going to Tri-City, New York. And Tri-City wasn't terrible. But then I'd go to, like, on a road trip on a bus with a bunch of guys, you know, <laughs> who are all wild and crazy, as, as you probably know. And it's uh, and we go to Oneana, right? And Oneana... I don't know if it had toilets in the in the clubhouse, <laughs> right? It was like, you know, you got to go outside to go to the bathroom. And, and it wasn't all it was cracked up to be right off the bat. Did you feel the same way? Were you like going to the minor leagues, not knowing what it really was yet, and then figuring it out as you went? Oh, yeah. No, I had no idea. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, too, it, we, we were so hands-on at Troy with our broadcasting department, but it was still very common. Your, your next step after graduation was you went to a news station and I thought, well, I, I want to be in live sports. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that a station was still a viable path to get there. And so I was hard headed and thought of this is the only way I can do it is to get on with the team. Um, so I actually, I finally got my first job about a year and a half after I graduated, um, had a lot of false starts along the way. And it was an independent team in uh, Kilgore, Texas, that is now defunct due to tax evasion. Um, it was unpaid. The The walls were made out of yeah. old steel rigs. <laughs> Not really anything that out of the normal. Like, I mean, it's like... Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Yeah. Um, but they were made out of old steel rigs. And so they had to train the players that you couldn't go for the deep fly balls because you would, like, break your mm. collarbone going up against this stuff. Um, I quit halfway through the season. I, I couldn't do it anymore. Yep. And I called everybody I knew and I had a buddy who I bartended with and he was in Mobile, Alabama. And he said, you know what? We actually just got rid of this girl uh, who's doing our on-field hosting. Why don't you come down here, finish the season here and uh, we'll get you going. And I, and I credit him all the time. His name's Justin Baker and he's not in broadcasting anymore, but he put me in the booth. Um, yep. He did way more than he ever had to do. I was supposed to just be this on-field host and, rah rah end of story um but he he fought a lot of people to to put me in that position that i had never really given a lot of thought to um and so yeah i I spent two years with them i i wasn't allowed on the bus i wasn't allowed in the clubhouse i paid out of pocket to go on trips um just so i could get more reps Mm. in and i had to keep up my sales responsibilities on top of that but um I, it's so funny when you look back on everything because the southern league was okay the travel was okay the hotels were okay um, overall, I, I had a lot of friends along the way there. And then you get to the Texas league and you're like, we, we have a 13 hour bus ride and we're not leaving the state. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Let's talk um, about the Texas league. I love this because we both were in the Texas league. She just said she paid for expenses to go on away trips. How, how is yeah, that? How, pay your own way. She said she's also in the teeth. Mu- oh, she, I, 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 I am not, I get the working part and I, I respect it, respect the hell out of it, but paying out expenses, you're still in the minor leagues. I'm sure your pay isn't what it is now that, you know what I mean? Well, you know, what's crazy is I actually went backwards throughout my, my entire minor league career, because when I came in, um, I was making about 2,500 a month. I had commission off of sales. They took care of our apartment. So I was doing okay. I could budget off of that. I, I had a job the entire time I was in college. Um, and then the Saving America's Pastime Act was passed, which was like the biggest slap to minor league baseball. Um, and I watched my career over those next years, which my parents loved, uh, as my salary got cut in half again and mm-hmm. again and again, um, to where my last stop in the minors in the Carolina league in 2019, I made 900 a month before taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was it. 
You probably got paid um, more than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that was, that was always our favorite thing with the players was who makes less. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right on the line. You're right on the line with some of those contracts. Um, so, uh, Texas League, what year did you start, though? What year was your first year in the in, in when you went to the, the team, the independent? the independent team? What was it? What year was that? Do you know? That was 2014. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I All right. We missed forget. each other. Okay. We missed each other. I was going to say, I wonder if you were in the Texas League when I was in the Texas League. I was in Frisco in 2018. Okay. I, I was there in Rachel, 2000. Rachel Balkovec was actually the trainer with Corpus Christi, the Astros affiliate, mm-hmm. in 2018 with me. I'm, I wish I was that young. I'm not. <laughs> I was there in 07, 08, 09. It was most of my time in the Texas League. But we talk about the Texas League, okay? I've got a couple Texas League stories. So did you travel in the Texas League with a team more, like oh, with yeah. Frisco? So my favorite, one of my favorite all-time cities, my favorite in minor league baseball is Lexington, Kentucky. Absolutely loved Lexington. I played there. I think it's an amazing place to play and, and be around. Number two is Frisco. I loved Frisco. Did you like Frisco? How do you not love Frisco? It didn't, first of all, it was crazy to me because every other team I had been with, we had a front office of maybe eight. We had a front office of 65 in Frisco. And it was, it was like weird. Yeah. I walked in, we had like our own media office where everybody Mm -hmm. had their own job. Like I was never asked to pull tarp, which was also weird. (laughs) That was usually (laughs) first responsibility. Um, But no, and then they had the the lazy river at that point. And so Mm -hmm. I actually developed a digital segment weekly where we'd go float with one of the guys. And the whole point was for them to just float and talk about life. It wasn't baseball. It was whatever they wanted to go with. And uh, they got to pick the guy who would do it the next week. But no, oh my gosh, we we had a blast being there. And I I loved living in Texas. Yeah, as as much as, you know, we do like to like bust on minor league baseball and like some of the areas, there are some places like Frisco or, and Corpus is great too. Like there that are amazing. I mean, Frisco's, you're staying in perfect, you know, beautiful hotel. You're staying, like, all the mall, like, the whole mall and restaurant area that's right around there with the bars. It's, like, so great when you're a visiting team to go there. Not to mention the stadium's beautiful. There's a lot of fans. You guys get fans now. By the way, those fans there, I would call those corporate fans. They sit on their hands. It's not that loud there, <laughs> right? It's not that loud in that stadium, but it's still full somehow. But they're kind of, you know, they're eating the hot dog, drinking the beer instead of, like, drinking the beer and rooting the team on like when you get to some places yeah like uh springfield springfield cardinals that place rocked and that was in that was in that uh that texas league also um i have some more texas league stuff to cover I'm, I'm first. Done treated. <laughs> what do you remember about midland did you ever go to midland i um i went on that trip i i drove myself actually mm-hmm. um our hitting coach i don't know if you guys now i can't remember what year he was there but it was jason hart mm-hmm. um and it's funny because Midland played the same way when he went through as it did when we were there in 18. If you hit anything in the wind, it's like being in Dunedin, Florida. It's mm-hmm. just, it's five miles out. It's you, you forget about it. Um, Welcome to my so- career. I also played in Lancaster. I played in Lancaster, which they called the Jetway. Like, yeah, you could you could throw a ball up in the air and blow on it, and it would be gone. It would be a home run. It was like the wild. So Midland, you're right. Yeah. I have to tell you this, actually, it's a a quick tangent, but we were live tweeting one of the spring training games, I think two years ago. And I, I had missed that a a different pitcher had come in for the other team, um, trying to get all of our stats and stuff run. 
and this kid just came up and now I've got to go look back. But I mean, when I tell you, he walloped this ball, like it, it had mm-hmm. no strings on it anymore. And so I tweeted him like, man, he just hit a rocket. Like this thing's out of the stratosphere. And it was one of my buddies who was the pitcher. He's like, yo, like, thanks. I'm going oh, yeah, to yeah, appreciate it. Good. Um, but no, Midland, Midland had grown a little bit by the time mm-hmm. I got there. Um, it definitely wasn't, it didn't feel as desolate. Granted, I, I drove through it almost every yep. year back and forth to Arizona, but um, yeah, it was just kind of one of those, it was there. It wasn't bad, yeah. but it, it just it, it never really stood out. Here's what I remember about Midland. I guarantee it was probably the same team hotels and everything when I played to when you went. The team hotel had a miniature golf course in the middle of it, <laughs> but it was indoors, and it was it was like they got it from an old miniature golf place and like put it in the lobby. Yeah. It's hilarious, <laughs> like unbelievable drinking games for that. Number two was the bullpens were the out in the you know out in the outfield and they had mm-hmm. the elevation over it, and that was where we played the quarter game. Did I tell you about that with McKellar? We used to put a cup on the plate. And then we used to have kids throw quarters to yeah. get a ball. We used to raise like 150 bucks a night. <laughs> we used to go That's buy all the genius. booze. Great, great, great move. That, that just tells me baseball players got too much time. Oh, on that was so fun. If you pitched and Look, you were a starter. When, when you're hungry, you're going to collect those quarters. Yeah, Absolutely. Enough, that was booze for the night. That was, that was like dinner and booze. Like that was how we did it. But then the third thing, and this is the thing that I don't know if you experienced or not. What about the tarantulas there? Did you ever see tarantulas there? If no? I had known, She's I would have never gone. Okay, so the way that the field is set up with like the never. water spouts, the tr- when it rains, the tarantulas just come pouring out of these water spouts. I'm terrified of spiders. <laughs> Beyond terrified of spiders. They're running all over the field. Like, they're all over the place. These monster tarantulas, like the size of my hand. We so have you're a, like an eight-legged freaks, basically. It's it's terrifying, terrifying. I'd like stand in the middle of the field. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> I'm trapped. <laughs> so, but we had another guy, Eli Orch, first round draft pick, went to Tennessee. Um, maybe second round draft pick. I don't want to give him too much credit, and because I I think he listens. Uh, we put a tarantula in a glass container, and we put it in his locker, and he had a panic attack and had to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> All time. So, you know, these are, these are the things of the Texas League that come up, Dan. And you didn't get to experience this because you were on these planes going to these beautiful cities. But, well, you know, Melly and I have, have slugged it out in the minor leagues. In, our, in my defense, there was no minor league for me to go to. I, I agree. I know. Yeah, you I either know. make it or you don't. Right. There. Yeah. yeah. There's, there, there's no halfway point. Yeah, you don't get to slam it around in the minor leagues and, and do the tarantula game and stay in the uh, the hotels that we're talking about. It's okay. Um, what happened after that? Any other good spots in the Texas League? Oh, gosh. Uh, we had a lot of fun in San Antonio, honestly. It was yep, there missions. last year being in AA before they moved to AAA. Yep. And uh, we took our digital content manager with us. So we made a side stop in Austin, Texas, and got to explore UT. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, just a couple other things along the way. But it was it was just really cool getting to have a whole team specifically designed to bring that content. And that's what you say, like, the corporate fans. It's because they just do such a good job yep. at all those little extra entertainment pieces um, that tie into it. Cause I mean, really we're, we're 20 minutes from the parent club with the Rangers. Right. And, and so it, you could kind of run into that sometimes of like, why would we go see the kids when, you know, the good boys are right down the road. Yep. And so I'll never forget. They had dude perfect there the year that I was there fans lined up. It was sold out a month in advance and they were at our gates at like seven in the morning. And I never knew that you could have that in a minor league atmosphere um, but they, I mean, they killed it and they, and they still do. They just that, keep bringing in yeah. better people. Um, our old graphics guy is actually with the Astros now. So he gets to 
entertain all of them at a at a big level, which is so deserved. Is that but, kind of true for um, the minor no, leagues? Love- is that kind of true for the minor leagues? Like the games are more fun, more personable, maybe? It's overall an entertainment Like experience. my parents live down in Raleigh now, uh, and we've gone to a f- few of the Durham Bulls Yeah, those games, are good. Those you are know? good places. But, I mean, but like that yep. was well, like... And that's you- an institution. Okay. Yeah. Durham is an institution. Oh, I mean, they're they going to draw they get the bowl, the bowl, <laughs> you, get the, you get the bowl, you get a free steak. <laughs> now it's like a free burrito or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, and you answer this after me, I think minor leagues are an experience where it's funny when they do the sumo wrestling thing. And, like, people pay to go see that overall thing where people do pay the ticket to go to the major league game and watch the game a lot, or, right? Big fan yeah. base. It's funny when you do the sausage race around the thing, <laughs> around the field, and like somebody falls or whatever. Like that's stuff you need in minor leagues because you get the family there, and the beers are half the price, and the hot dogs, the two bucks, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's it's just so intimate, and, and that's what I tell people all the time: is you're just you're never going to have that experience anywhere else. And and it's something to this day that is still so fond in my heart. And everybody's, oh, you've made it to the big leagues, but the minor leagues still have that hold just because mm-hmm. of all that one-on-one time that you had to really pick people's brains. And you got such this deep inside into way like Pudge Rodriguez and Randy Johnson thought, because they were there to watch these kids. And if they had them in, they would just sit down and they would just talk because yep. they, they knew that this wasn't some national outlet. I was just wanting to really kind of get in their brain and see what brings them back year after year. But it is different because like, I remember being in mobile and I had days where like our bullpen would die laughing because we'd roll up more t-shirts to throw into the stands than there were people in the stands. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. they're yep. heckling us for the t-shirts and, you know, it was, it was a very quiet, it was hard to draw people, which is why they're not there anymore. Um, but yeah, it's just, and I've said this too, is everything that makes minor league baseball so great when people keep saying, how do we grow the game? How do we make people come out to major league games? Literally follow the minor leagues because they yep. have it already and they have, you know, a fraction of the budget that the big league clubs have. And, and somehow that still gets missed. Yeah, and right. a fraction of the people, too, in, like, the area, in, like, the cluster area, right? Like, you see, um, and you've probably seen this, you know, just being in the in the industry, like, the Savannah Bananas, like, which is this, the like, greatest name, greatest name in the world. The greatest name in the world. Unbelievable so name. I'm buying a jersey for sure. And, like, you can't get into their games. It's sold out. Like, it's sold out every game because the the – I say the word gimmicks, but it's like the entertainment that they do where the the um like the, the walk up songs they have, they do all this crazy stuff where like they'll wear like a samurai a sword. The field, like yeah, they'll bring a band on the field. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like crazy. an it's like an event on into itself yeah. or you know, event other than the game going on and the, people want to see that. They did a thing like real game, right? The pitcher came out, wore just a jock strap. <laughs> like you know, you know, to like throw like pitch an inning. You know, just crazy stuff that they're doing. I don't know how they're getting around it, but like we got to bring. Well, it's it's, them on. it's a collegiate league, so right. they don't really have. That's right. Yeah, they don't have. Rules, she knows <laughs> more than you do. No, that's true. She, does, they, she knows more than she you. She definitely does. But that's like have they have problem. all this kind of cool stuff that they're doing, and it's just catching on, and it's uh, it's popular. So but you started out with the hosting, right? And you didn't play sports. Is it just talking to those guys? How you got to know the game? And, and get up in the booth doing the play by play by play because you've got to have I mean you've got to have knowledge of the game and what's going on the terms I'm still learning all the terms yeah. and, and did you know what you meant by pull the tarp yes I did okay all right so I think, I think anytime I can, somebody we just we just had an interview the I other think day I can figure that one out where somebody said uh, dry humped in the bullpen that that's a thing that people don't understand so we're I'm trying to I'm trying to educate him in all these terms right 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there, there's a lot going on. And I still remember um, when my football sideline work started expanding, if it makes you feel any better, I, I literally went out, there were a couple different books. I had mentors that had recommended to me. It was like, take your eye off the ball 2.0. Um, I, I Is that Pat Kerwin? Is that Pat Kerwin? Yes. Yeah, Pat did. Pat wrote that book. How do you know? Pat's a uh, he's a broad, or he does a, uh, the the afternoon on Sirius XM NFL with uh, Jim Miller. It's a great Hello. guy. Yeah, I had I had that one. I bought Football for Dummies. I read it cover to cover just to make sure. Like I knew I grew up with the game, but it's different yeah. when you're presenting it. You sure. can't afford to miss anything with it. But with baseball, um, no, I just I went to East Cobb all the time. I watched a very awkward young Jason Hayward, like trying to figure yep. out his stuff. You know, you saw all of this talent going through and living so close to it. They had overflow games at my alma mater, uh, Etowah high school stadium. And so I started helping out there. Um, I was one of four girls who traveled with our varsity team. We kept the book. That's where I learned how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did all the the video scouting for our pitchers and our hitters. If the field flooded, we were out there with the five gallon buckets, like trying to dip the water off the field. Um, and so it's just, I kind of just wanted to be around it. I, I didn't really have an idea at that point. I was very much a recluse. I had maybe three friends and I was good with that. Um, and I, I wrote about it. I was a yearbook editor. And then again, I, I went to college and, and they really pushed me to change over to a broadcast major because they're two separate schools mm-hmm. for us. Um, and so I started working with our sports information department. Uh, my first play-by-play was actually our division one volleyball program. Um, and then that grew into getting involved with the Atlantic Sun Conference, the Sun Belt Conference, um, the Big South were probably my biggest three that I worked with. But mm-hmm. again, the little schools that people overlook, it was Chris Sale, Jacob deGrom, Corey Kluber, um, mm-hmm. you know, Richard Blyer. It was all these guys that people now have as like a commonplace name. Jacob deGrom is my, uh, we, oh, is that, he's so fun to watch. I love Jake. I love deGrom. <laughs> my favorite. Um, so you get the call. We like to talk whenever we bring the baseball guys on or whoever it is, or we talk about the football, like the draft, yeah. getting to the big leagues, whatever it is. Like, we like to tell that story. So, how does that work for you? Like, because you just explained your minor league run, your college thing, like the whole thing. How do you get the call to the big leagues and, and like, your world? Yeah, I, I really, I had v- become very comfortable where I was. Um, Salem was very open with me. We had a great general manager in Alan Lawrence, and he had told me, look, you have a job here as long as you want it. You know, we love having you here. Um, it was nice to have this broadcasting booth that was bigger than any bedroom I'd ever had. And it was just panorama of the Blue Ridge Mountains. You know, the organization was great. And I had a good mix of ESPN work that was really doable for me. And so I thought, I, I get it. I get how people are lifers in the minor leagues now, and I could do this. Um, I'd had probably a dozen major league interviews throughout my lifetime. And, you know, some of them didn't work out because I needed more time. Some of them, it was they wanted a blonde or they, they just wanted a look that I didn't have. Were they, were they, were they interviews for play-by-play or for like the host host gigs? Hosting and sidelines. Yeah, I actually, I had not had um, a play-by-play interview ever in the big leagues. Um, But, you know, I just, I just wanted to tell the stories. And I think you get that riding the buses and and eating the crappy food and being there is just, there's such a huge human element that I think we got away from in the nineties where we put all these athletes on pedestals and how untouchable they were. And then you started seeing that divide come back. Like fans don't relate to, to all those untouchable things. They relate to those smaller minutiae that you only get when you have the people who embed themselves with these teams who can tell those stories. Um, so 
I had had a couple different in the mix that I thought maybe could work out. Okay. Another big league opportunity. Great. I'd gotten to the point where you kind of start to temper your hopes. And when I talked to Baltimore, I had no idea. Um, I thought this was just kind of a, let's get to know each other. You're geographically close. If we ever, for some reason, need a, a once off fill in for the role. Um, but you're always going to take those meetings. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up, they flew me up in uh, February had had lunch and again just a meeting of the minds you know what what do you notice what makes you tick what do you think fans want to see right now with the philosophy of how we connect them to the game and i i flew back home and you know called a guy who is now my agent but um yeah i said it went well and i don't expect anything else and all of a sudden they emailed us back and it was all right minimum of 140 games a two-year deal and and i kind of fell out of my seat just because it's always when you don't see it coming that mm-hmm. big stuff happens and so I still didn't tell anybody. Um, we still had a couple other teams were kind of waiting to see if they wanted to do anything. Uh, and I finally waited until I had the contract in ink and signed. And my family, we, we play Bananagrams. That's that's our, you know, gather around. It's the from Rhode Island. My, it, was, it, was, it, was, it is. It, yeah, it's from <laughs> Rhode Island. Yeah, it is. That makes sense now. Um, but my, my sister and her family, they were still down in Georgia at the time. And uh, so we were all playing and, and my boyfriend knew you know, what I was going to do and, and how I was going to tell them. And so we always finish around and we read off our biggest words, whether we've won or lost. And I said, Oh, I signed a big league contract and <laughs> it just wasn't enough points or whatever. And, and my sister and my brother-in-law I had it, I had my phone set up and no one knew. And she just kind of looked and they were both staring at me. And my dad's like trying to fact check my board. Like, I don't, I don't think you put all those words together. Yeah. You know, he's, it's gone over nothing. It took probably three <laughs> minutes of me being like, guys, like I, yeah, I, yeah, I did this. <laughs> it's a it, the gender reveal didn't hit for the same way. It's like the yeah, yeah, no, yeah. big whiff. Big gotcha. Whiff. Um, hey, you mentioned Salem. Before we keep going, um, I have a question for you on this. So, is it still they still play at the same stadium? Because I did play half a season in Salem. I got moved up from Lexington to High A Salem, which was the Astros then. Same big stadium, like that's like I can't remember the name of it. Wide open. Salem, it's, it's Salem Memorial. Is yes. That, yes. Is that yeah, where you were yeah. at? So they're the same one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next question. Super important. Have to know this answer. Okay. This, actually, a lot of people are going to – I'm calling people as soon as I find out this answer after we're done. Who was the clubby for Salem when you were there? Did you get to know the clubbies at all? I knew our clubby. I don't think he was ever in a good mood, and now I can't remember his don't name. Don't tell me it He's was Tom. He's been there forever. Is it Tom Wagner? Yes, it's Tom. He's alive. <laughs> He's alive. Tom Wagner's alive. Yeah, he's alive. Unbelievable. He is the all-time clubby because he's in a pissy mood all the time. All the time. All he does is shit on people about the tips that they give every month. Like he's like your first rounder. You gave me hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Like he'll say it right to your face. He has no no clue. This is what we talked about McKellar with. They're like unbelievable. But the best thing that he did, I don't know if he still does this, you can pull into the stadium there. So you can pull underneath. And when you would go on the road, he'd have everybody pull in and then he'd detail everybody's car. <laughs> like that was an unbelievable thing. And I don't think we had that. Didn't do that. And then he would like he would like no. go do your laundry, like whatever it was that he could. Well, do. then he should bitch. That's worth more than one hundred and fifty bucks a well, month. I mean, you also paid him, and then you tip. <laughs> that was the tip that he was that he was complaining about. He made the best Gatorade, also. So I need what? to find this guy's number seriously because we all had it at one point, and then we all thought he was probably not alive. <laughs> <laughs> like that was the consensus around the group. So. Tom Wagner, 
This is the second time we've mentioned mentioned Tom Wagner on this podcast. Yeah, so I, I, I don't. I'm I, pumped. I, I'm pumped. I honestly don't know, know if I could can top that. I mean, do you know any? Do you remember any of your like clubbies and stuff like by name or like visiting team, home team? Do you remember that? Is that a Murph? Big? Murph was Murph was so you do Murph it was George first, and then we had Murph. Yeah. Okay. Great. So guys. you remember the names? Great but guys. What about all the assistants and everything? You remember all them? No, it was just one guy basically. Okay. All right. I'm so glad that Tom Wagner is alive and well down <laughs> and still miserable. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. He, still yeah miserable. he hasn't changed. Okay, good. All right. So then you get up to, you get up to the show. Like, so are you nervous when you sign this deal? Like, but how's it, your, how's fir- your first game was during COVID. Yep. <laughs> first one during oh, COVID. Yeah, so you didn't have to be nervous. Like, but, no. but you, st- I, yeah, but the, I, no I, I want to, I want to ask it this way. But we'll go to the, do you get the nerves before a broadcast? I don't know that I'd call it nerves. It's, it's more of like just an adrenaline rush usually. Um, and, and it's weird too. I, I think some of that was just mental training that I had competing in pageants. Like we replaced certain words. So we got rid of nervous, you know, 15 years ago. Is, is, anxious, um, a, is anxious a better word? Or is that the uh, same yeah. thing? Anxious would, is my new know, word. I would, I would use anxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would use anxious for the one and only spring training game that I got to do in 2020 because then everything shut down. Yep. Um, and then after that, really, I don't, I don't think I ever felt it again. But it was that first spring game. Um, I was still working for the stats department out of New York because, again, I didn't see this job coming. And stats is what usually paid for me to be at spring training. Um, so I was pulling double duty a lot. I was driving down from Tampa to Sarasota for a morning camp and then whatever game I got assigned to that day. And, uh, that's the one kind of downside about Florida spring training is Arizona. Everything is right there. Um, and Florida, you can drive a couple Mm -hmm. hours and get Mm -hmm. a rain out. But, um, yes, I I had no voice. My allergies had fully flared up. So I was cracking and coughing anytime. Like I tried Mm -hmm. to raise up too much and I thought I'd get a chance to step away and kind of study a little bit, but it was the same day that we had the 30 for 30 there with MLB network. And then they had a press junket for me to talk about this. And um, yeah, I never, I never got that chance. And my, my saving grace is that my main partner, Jeff Arnold, um, he and I were in the Carolina league together in 19. He was in Frederick. Um, So he knew me. He actually, he had a full-time assistant. So when we played each other, which was all the time, he'd actually leave his assistant for a couple innings and hang out with me since I was alone in the booth, you know, almost every game. So we already had that rapport. And I just told him, I said, look, man, like I'm, I'm trying, uh, you know, we got thrown in, we had a guest come in my very first inning. So like right off the bat, he handed it over to me for the first time I had to introduce the guest. It was a one, two, three, I had to go to break. Um, but we got through it. And then the second game we were set to do, you know, the buses left and then they came back and, uh, that was kind of the end of it. So yeah, the first, regular season game was an empty stadium mm-hmm. yeah. um which was just weird and in a way it was okay because you didn't get the nerves you know you kind of feel like you're just having a lock-in with your buddies because you're calling a game off of a monitor that's 30 minutes away from you um yeah, and i guess that kind of set it up for last year too it was it was the same thing again just you didn't really have that chance to have nerves and now i get it when the players would always say like oh it feels the same like the, the fields are always the same. So yeah, you climb up and you notice the, the competition changes and the workload changes, but um, the game is the game at the end yep. of the day. And, and I get that now. Got it. So, so you feed off the crowd as much as they do. Oh my God. Yeah. 110%. There, we had the piped in crowd noise, even in our headphones. Um, it just doesn't compare right. even when it was a limited capacity crowd. Like they're so important to that game. They really are. Yeah. It's, uh, I, so you dealt with that 
and then the season being shut down. Now we're dealing with the lockout. So, or what are we calling it? Are we calling it the We're calling it the Melanie Jinx right now. Yeah, are we calling it a strike? Are we calling it, like, what are we calling it? No, not the Melanie Jinx. We're calling it. What? What is the actual name? <laughs> they're of this? locked out. A strike. They're but locked they're out. Not wrong. It's they're a locked out. out. Yeah. We, they're locked we, out. Do you call that a strike though? Is no. that a strike? No, it's they're not. locked out. It's just locked out. Okay. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I'm, I'm the last to know anything. I don't. <laughs> like I have no clue how this <laughs> I, works. I mean, I really literally, literally when the 2020 season got shut down, um, I got lucky because one of my best friends, her husband, works for the Rays. So every spring. He moves into their complex. I move into their house and I, I help her with the mm-hmm. house. Um, so I had a place to stay, but it was, you know, everybody else had left. It's five yep. days. There's no baseball. And I had to call and go, hey, uh, I'm still in Florida. Can I go home? And they're like, oh, you're still there. So I, I was literally like Kevin from home alone. Like, right. forgot about me. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, so the, the I've, I've kind of read, you know, between the tea leaves on this. It's hard for me to imagine. First of all, I, I think it's impossible to lose the season. Um, do you have a little bit of a delay? Maybe. Is it anything astronomical? They can't afford it. Um, That's what I think. 2020, right. yeah, yep. yeah, 2020 was really tough. Um, you're already seeing fans that are struggling to stay in it just because of the whole relationship going on right now. And that's been put on full display. Um, and, and I think both sides are very aware that if they sit here and play chicken, and push and push and push on those dates, Mm -hmm. the colossal damage that you create because of that is something really hard to come back from, despite the fact that this is one of the oldest sports here. You have to be conscious of the fans. And again, I refer to my dad, like it, it took him literally from the 94 strike until the Astros one run in 17 for him to actually buy back into the game. And then of course we all know the aftermath of that. And that was another uphill battle for me to get Mm -hmm. back in it. But yeah. So, um, you know, with with the lockout, right, you've got players not going to camp. You know, we have you not going to where you're supposed to be. I'm sure you're supposed to be going somewhere right now or, like, or be somewhere. Is that accurate? Well, and, and that's the other tough thing is, like, getting hired during COVID, nothing's been normal. Um, I think <laughs> that's we would you've normally, had this weird experience. Yes. I, like, I, through. I have no idea. I've you're, never traveled. I've never yeah. been on the charter plane. Like, my last travel memory is right. still a broken down bus, but. Um, Mine too. yeah, I, normally what I've seen is that, uh, they would send the whole broadcast crew down for the full spring training. And again, because of COVID last year, when we finally did run things back again, um, they staggered us. So mm-hmm. a few of us went for a couple weeks at a time. I had the final tail end of spring training. So I literally went from our home in Atlanta to spring. And then I, I had to fly up to Baltimore, get moved in and, and start the season. Um, so I guess right now we would all be getting ready to go yeah. to Florida. Well, um, yeah, my, like I'm always fascinated by your schedule. Baseball player schedule, I just think is absolutely nuts. And you know, you're calling the play by play. You're an extension of that. How do you do that workload? Like the preparation of the charts and the notes that you have to repair, and, and knowing uh, the scouting report on the opposing team. And I know you haven't had a regular year, but you probably had a plan going into it on how you're going to handle it. How do you do that? I'm still learning every day. And honestly, the minor leagues set me up so well for that because I didn't have anybody. I had to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why I had such a good relationship with the players because like they'd all be playing Call of Duty in one dude's room and one of them would jump out to get ice at 1.30 and I'm in the hallway because it's the only place I can get Wi-Fi to finish typing up the game recap, put online, before I do the game notes, the stat packets, everything the coaches want, everything the media wants. 
Um, and they would, they were never afraid to ask questions and ask what and why I was doing the things that I was doing. Um, and so then you get to the big league level and you realize you have a whole team. You have people mm -hmm. that automatically compile the stats for you. If you're trying to find something, you just send off an email or a text and you know, they're running it back for you. So in that regard, it does make things easier. And again, it goes back to those relationships too. Like yep. if you're trying to just figure something out or, Hey man, like you, you told me the story that I want to use in the game, but there's this one part, like I can't remember. And, um, they're very forthcoming with all of that. And, and so it's just having done the trial and error and control what you control, right, you know, yeah. it, everybody else is freaking out. And then I'm like, dude, I've done this. Like I've been on a 3am breakdown and you know, I've, I've shown up at the stadium where we had a themed bus ride of the sandlots and we couldn't get our suitcases because the bus driver didn't get there in time. So I now have to go to a stadium dressed as Wendy Peppercorn to call a game, which is not ideal, Amazing. Um, but you, you can't control it. That's uh, a great, so. that's a great like gimmicky game. That's hilarious. By the way, you did a Wendy Peppercorn thing. That's funny. Um, did you knew because we were the visiting team, so they just thought they had this weird broadcaster <laughs> yeah. on Kentucky Derby night, by the way. Oh, so those are always huge nights. Yeah. Everybody is dressed in tuxes and then here comes the visiting broadcaster in a swimsuit. Like, Hey guys. Nice. I like that one. I like that one. Have you, so it, because it's been so scattered for you, like in these couple of years with, with COVID and everything, have you been able to build the same rapport with some of the players or is it tough for you to do it? Like, because you don't really see them, it's, you know? Yeah. It's so tough. Um, I've developed a, a few relationships, especially with, you know, wives, agents, moms, and dads. Most of that is through social media. Um, yep. Very rarely I've been able to actually run into somebody in person and, and just say hello. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, they usually end up introducing themselves, but it's weird because I'm two years in and I really haven't met our guys. Um, yeah. I knew a few of them when I first joined because we were in the minor leagues together. And of course, right. all the ones that I knew were either DFA, traded, released. And I was like, well, there goes that. And they knew you um, was Wendy Peppercorn. I, I will say. <laughs> they yeah, thought you were Wendy Peppercorn. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I will say I'm fortunate too, though, just because not even having built those relationships yet, uh, everything that our family's gone through, I, I was very overwhelmed and touched. Uh, guys like Cedric Mullins and his wife, John Means, his wife, mm -hmm. Caroline, their family. Um, just they're, they're reaching out and, you know, flowers and stuff like that, that I just didn't expect at all. Cause again, I, I haven't gotten to know them and it kills me because that's, that's my, that's my bread and butter. That's what mm. I live to do is to wind those stories into the broadcasts. Um, and just, so just to know that, you know, they, we see each other, even though it's not in yep. person that they recognize that we're both on the same team together. Um, and again, the human element of it, I've been really fortunate in that regard, but it also comes back to you know, the, the minor league stuff. I've, I haven't met our manager since the first game I called in spring in 2020, yeah. but he was good buddies with our Frisco skipper who had like YouTube famous meltdowns on the field. And so the minute that I brought him up, Oh, Joe Mikulik says hi. Yeah. And Brandon Hyde just freaks out, you know, oh my God, how is he? And um, I was pitching the game with degrees. Joe Mick. I pitched the game at Joe Mikulik took the base out. Kobe Clemens hit a double, went nuts, threw the base, threw everything all over the field. Like he's had some serious meltdowns. He threw the, yes. uh, he threw the uh, rosin bag like it was a grenade into the stands. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> he's got we, some good ones. We tried to get him to have a meltdown in 18 and he wouldn't do it. He does the gladiator games with his wife now. Mm -hmm. um, but we'd see moments where he'd, he'd get heated and, you know, it'd be like John Felchak or one of the other home plate umpires. And he'd turn around, he'd point at him and he'd be screaming in the dugout and you would just see him like, 
and then he'd, he'd just kind of walk away, but you would just see it all scrunch up inside. You're like, I just, I just want it. Like you're right there. I've yeah. watched YouTube. Like, oh yeah. He one. melts. He melts. Max, I'll send you a clip from one that he melted in Lexington. It was great. It was an all timer. Took his shirt off, ran. <laughs> like, I mean, he was all over the place. So uh, yeah, we got a lot of same names. It's fun. Um, so the season's the, hopefully the season starts, you're going to meet these people. Um, if you can meet one player living, living, Playing, playing, not playing, alive, dead. Who is it? I have two. Um, you can name I feel two. like one of them. One of them is it's two way. So it's Bo Jackson and David Ortiz. Uh, okay. Hands down, those, those are you know. Again, we we grew up as Boston fans, and uh, I'll never forget my uncle who was part of Ted Williams' security detail. Growing up, all the boy cousins got to go to Fenway, you know, and. I was from Atlanta. So the few times I got to go up there, I wanted to go and I never got to go. And I finally went on my own at 24 and and he crushed one over the monster. And I'll just, it just sits there forever, especially after the Boston bombings and everything else. And uh, for Bo Jackson, I mean, that's, he he was a legend, you know, we, again, we grew up as Auburn fans and and seeing all these clips Mm -hmm. and those were my parents' dates were to watch him play and Gary Thorne calling the call of him running up the wall with Kansas city. Um, he's, he's supernatural. You know, he, he doesn't seem like a real athlete. And I, I've met a share of athletes in my time. Um, and everybody, yo, oh, you know, didn't you freak out or this celebrity and, and isn't that so cool? And I thought, well, you know, they, they just want to be treated like people at the end of the day, but yeah. I don't know if I could fully just be chill, you know, casually bumping into one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I mean, there's always a, that, that one person that you're going to meet that it doesn't matter. Yeah. You, well, you, you can't LT. That was a big one for you. LT, yeah. The first time. That, that was, was cool. that, that was a big name. The the one that I met the the a couple times, and it's still just in awe that I met was Michael Jordan. Yeah, Jordan's your big Jordan one. was That's right. the, the the guy. I did meet Bo Jackson by the way at a food convention one time. I was there for, on a hospitality thing. He was selling steaks, like he was like a celebrity that was run that was in the steak or sausage thing. And I remember I went up to him. And this was this was probably four or five years ago. I go up to Bo Jackson. I was like, "Hey, you're you're the best athlete of all time." That's like what I said to him. His answer back to me was just, "Yep." <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and I was like, "The I mean, cool. the man shoots bow and arrows with his feet. Like, just yeah. he makes his own arrows. Show me right? anybody else. That's, makes, that's how he answered that question. I thought it was a great it. answer. I was no, like, "That's phenomenal, a perfect answer." So. But anyway, we want to follow. We got to follow along. Do you have no, anything I, else? No, I can't. I can't wait to hear a call this year. We're, yeah, we're ready for it, and we want to. We want to see you on the field. We want to. We want to watch all this. You were Hopefully part of the back all. To normal. You were part of the all female broadcast, the historic one, right? That was a big deal. That was when with was Mendoza, that? right? Yeah. Is that accurate? Well, I was going to. I was going right? Well, it, it depends because they had the 2019 um, broadcast was the first professional, uh, baseball broadcast that was all female. And then they had the first major league, all female broadcast last year. And that was, uh, myself, Heidi Watney, Lauren Gardner, Alana Rizzo and Sarah Langs for MLB network. And then ESPN's first all female major league broadcast was me and Jessica Mendoza. Yeah. That's awesome. So congrats to that. That's really cool. Like that's that's something that's, you know, brand new. I mean, obviously last year was the first year for, for a lot of things. So, um, we're looking forward to watching you. So we'll, we'll find you and then we'll, uh, we'll have some fun. Yeah, Thanks for coming on. That was fun. Yeah, I, no, appre- I always last. appreciate talking about the minor leagues. So thank you for that. Dan I likes to Dan I, likes I, to I kill me on that. No, 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 I like to hear the stories. That's yeah. where I mean, that's like you said. That's where you cut your teeth. Yeah, playing cards on the bus, breaking down, 
Like, you know, a hotel that absolutely There was always trash. the one kid that broke the bus toilet that was like yes. the pariah for yeah, the rest you know. of the trip. Yeah, and by the way, if you're that person, you are on everybody's shit list. Like, literally. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't be the guy that takes a dump on the bus. <laughs> you can't be that guy. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Melody. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. All right, you see too. Bye. All right, bye. Master Prime is brought to you by Squad Locker. Squad Locker is your one-stop shop for custom team apparel, delivered right to your front door. Learn more by visiting squadlocker.com.